Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. And we are joined now by Assemblyman Angelo Morinello. Uh, Assemblyman, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you for uh, allowing me the opportunity to be on your show again. And we always appreciate uh, you appearing with us and a lot of stuff happening this week at the state level. Let's start with the increases by NYSEG that were reported on Thursday afternoon. Uh, your thoughts and how did we get here? Well, let's talk about the uh, scoping plan of the decarbonization of New York State. And one, the issue that has not gotten out is the expense. So when we start talking about increases in the cost of fuel, we're talking about two things. And I think people need to learn to look at their bills. Number one, we look at the cost of the fuel and then look at the delivery cost. And you'll find that the increases really uh, on the delivery end, outweigh increases in the fuel. That's number one. Number two, the expense to the homeowner, and there was just a Western New York delegation meeting with National Fuel uh, who joined with National Grid. And I want to tell you, it was very enlightening, and I'll get into that in a minute. But one of the things that uh, did come out, and they're doing some you know, studies to try and comply with the law in the short timetable. But the studies show the expense. Now, this is not me just telling you, oh, there's going to be an expense. They have estimated that each and every homeowner, it's going to cost them between $35,000 and $50,000 to reconvert their home to comply with the uh, act. That's number one. Number two, Think about the expense, okay, of the, uh, the the utilities in providing the infrastructures, okay? They don't come cheap. Let's take National Grid. They have to upgrade all of their uh, power stations. They have to in- put new ones in. National Fuel and National Grid have presented that we need dual energy that we cannot do it on electricity alone and this is coming from the two utilities that supply western new york um in their intense studies so everything i'm telling you joe is coming from those that are studying that are really in the sites of 
the process. And, and for this reason, they have to provide it. So they provide Western New York. We have other, other utility companies throughout the state. But the obligation and the expense to them is monumental. Where are they going to get the money? So the average consumer is going to have to pay both for their own personalized expense in their home and subsidize all the build-outs. This is where the expenses are coming. And this is not a discussion on whether, oh, you're for global warming, you believe in it, you don't. That's not the issue, okay? The issue is the expense that is going to occur for these individuals, both homeowners and the utilities. So what do you see down the line? Because here in New York State, we're, we're in, you know, trying to get away from, uh, or the, the governor's trying to get away from you know, gas and more lenient on electricity. I mean, is, is this going to be an ongoing issue with these prices going up and up and up? And we're talking 62% um, over time now. Um, I firmly believe yes, because as inflation hits, as building costs increase, as technology has to be looked at and has to be financed, I just see this going be, becoming much greater. And, you know, I, 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 I firmly believe that we have to talk about both sides of the equation. We not only have to talk about the decarbonization, we not only have to talk about the um, global warming issue, Okay, or the climate change issue, however one of your, your listeners want to present it. I'm not going to tell them how to believe or how to present it. But the reality is there's the other side of the equation, that it just seems that those pushing for the expedited changes are not looking at the other side of the equation, and the people are not getting the answers. I believe it's going to get greater. I believe as the expense goes, and... You know, the, the bottom line is this. We cannot do it on a single fuel. We're talking about industry. We're talking about manufacturing. All right. So and even the, the two main providers of the forms of energy in our area, both are now talking about a hybrid system that utilizes both because it, it, it is almost impossible. And then we have the rural areas who rely on propane. Where are they going to get it? The, you know, we can't even get uh, um, internet out to some of these rural areas. And the the uh, pipelines are being stopped for the gas, and the buildouts for the electric electricity are costly. And they're going to want to provide for the major cities first. So I see this as a continuing problem, Joe. Assemblyman, we um, obviously with marijuana being legalized, recreational marijuana being legalized, we now see a focus and some issues in school with not only marijuana, but other drug use and its correlation with mental health. Uh, What are you hearing and what are your uh, thoughts on this? Well, it's very interesting you asked that. On Friday, which was today's Sunday, two days ago, okay, there was a press conference out at Kids Escaping Drugs campus. And it was with school superintendents. It was with counselors. It was with providers for services. And it was with um, the um, Kids Escaping Drugs facilitators. And it was basically 
we have to stop silos. We have to start working together. Um, we know there's an issue, and the issue is with the, the youth. And we need parental involvement. We need intervention. We don't need punishment. You know, one of the main um, issues I've been receiving is vaping in school bathrooms. Um, and so they, they do have available these vaping sensors. But they would not they they would not be used as a punishment, but as a learning tool. Is there a pattern? Is there an age group? Is there a time of the day that this is occurring in the bathrooms and then address the issue? Um, so we all have to be cognizant. And I think what we need is we need group activity uh, intervention in the uh, youth programs starting in the third and fourth grades surrounding them with uh, um, like people with mentors who are occupying their time. And I think the other issue is when the uh, Marijuana Act was put into place, there was no protection for young people from edibles. Now, if you have a gun or if you have bullets, you have to keep them in a lockbox. But there's nothing similar to edibles and the drugs that are in households. So I think number one, we have to try and restrict them within the households because we're going to get, we're getting young children that there's stories of them overdosing. I'm talking about three, four and five year olds because they're readily accessible to the edibles. Edibles are gummies. Edibles are items that the kids think are candy and they don't understand. So I think we need to have everyone aware, number one, that we have to start in the household. Um, and let's not forget the difficult task our teachers and superintendents have. At one point, their job was to educate the students for uh, a, a higher uh, uh, accessible life. Okay, Now they're dealing with mental health. They're dealing with drugs. They're dealing with other issues that historically may have been there, but not as prevalent. So what we have to do is we really have to engage parents. We have to find a way to get to the parents to explain it. And on the, uh, and when we get to the youth, I think we have to start in the third grades to focus on it. I know that um, Grand Island School uh, Superintendent Brian Graham organized the uh, Friday press conference. And it was well attended. I'm sure that you'll see it on the news, but it was the issue that you're asking me that we focused on, okay? Now, I believe legislatively, we need, we need to put some legislation in that says if you have youth in the house under 21, okay? We're not gonna, we can't stop you because the law says if you're over 21, you can utilize THC products but we need to be able to safeguard them in the home. So I think that's something that we need to focus on as we go forward. You know, you talk about the, the edibles, the gummies. I, I know this has been discussed before when it came to the packaging of marijuana, you know, gummies and edibles that look so much like just a regular candy bar, a regular bag of gummies. Is that being addressed as well, the packaging that these things come in? Well, they're supposed to be in childproof packaging, Okay. But as we all know, you can cut most of them with scissors. Um, it is looking at it. I've, I've got a, a constituent who is uh, going into the business, and one of their focuses is experimenting on packaging. 
And they said what they did was they went and bought some products and they had their, I think they were like six and seven year old uh, nieces and nephews. They said they were able to open these alleged childproof packaging in like two minutes. So um, they, in their quest, are being so responsible um, in their production of a candy infused that they're experimenting with packaging. But I think that we still need to, similar to what we have on the uh, handguns and ammunition, those we need safe boxes in the home so they're not readily accessible when parents are not around or not they just don't leave it around, Joe. Yeah, another thing with, with, with marijuana in school, I mean, obviously that's always uh, been a thing, but seeing the uptick, seeing how you know readily available uh, recreational marijuana is now because it's legal, uh, is this going to be – is this going to be handled like alcohol, right? Like if you're an adult and you purchase alcohol for a child, I mean, that's a crime. Is it work the same way with marijuana? Not yet, but that's part of what I was talking about is securing it and working on safeguards such as that, because we have to get the parents' attention or the adults' attention sometime. Um, And the difficulty is it's just, you've got the THC, but what's coming along with it is other drugs, it's exposure to other drugs on the streets. And with the black market on the uh, marijuana that is probably greater than the organized, what you're finding is that the uh, kids are exposed to um, other drugs. Because if you're a drug dealer and you're not legitimate and you're not licensed, marijuana takes up a large amount of space. And I, I, you see it on TV when they used to um, intercept large amounts, whereas pills take up smaller amounts. They can get more money for them. So it's even the fact that the availability is leading to where these dealers want to hook these young kids on other products that are more profitable but take up less space and are not as uh, uh, visual the other difficulty we have is with the fentanyl. It's, I believe that out of the deaths in New York State recently, approximately 80% are because of fentanyl. Fentanyl is kind of like carbon monoxide. It's odorless, tasteless, colorless. You know? So anyway, um, that, that's uh, the answer to that question. Speaking of um, you know starting at home, social media, another thing um, that obviously it just keeps growing, especially with uh, school age children. Uh, it's been linked to mental health issues. Now uh, there's legislation for social media protection to control the algorithms. Uh, how much really can the state do when it comes to social media? Um, they can put rules and they can put laws in. But we're not in every household, okay? And some of that is up to the parents um, and their, the, the amount of exposure. And I think one of the things that'll help is once we get over the fear of being in public, more activities. And I'm not talking about taxpayer-funded, but just teach the kids to be outside. Teach the kids to do stuff. Uh, organize sports. Go to – we need Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts to uh, start – becoming more popular, okay? We need one, uh, the, the, the uh, Boys and Girls Club who are taking an active position 
and bringing kids together in their programs. So I think that we have to look at the total picture on this and find out how do we move these youth from a life of utilization to a life of realization. Uh, another thing, we, we spoke with uh, Senator Ortz in the first hour of the show, and he was talking about the newly implemented gun and ammunition background checks and what he's hearing from his constituents, and uh, he is calling on the governor uh, to end some of this new legislation. What are you hearing, and what do you think is the right response by the state? Um, I'm hearing the same as Senator Ort, that it is becoming a nightmare, and you know, this I'm, 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 this is my own opinion, that it's another attempt to minimize access. But we're not dealing with illegals. We're not dealing with people who don't have licenses. I think it's absolutely unconscionable that if you've gone through all of the background checks to be afforded the opportunity to have a pistol permit, a carry permit, that you continually have to go through it. The former procedure was... The dealer had access to the federal database. They would put your name in. You can get an answer back quickly. What I'm hearing is that on the ammunition, they're taking weeks sometimes, and a lot of um, purchasers are not going back for it. So we're losing sales, but they're driving to other states. So it's just another attempt for headlines that will really have no effect on what the bottom line is. And the bottom line is this, it's mental health and it's illegal access. And it just seems that the, the focus is always on the legal law-abiding citizens, not on those that want to skirt the law, not on those that create the issues. And to me, that, that's not right. I think the, the approach, are, and think about this, it's just another money grab, the state, the controller. Rightfully so, has talked about the fact that we can't afford the budget that was passed last year. We're short of money. The federal money isn't coming in. So what do they do? I believe it's $2.50 every time you go buy ammunition. I think it's $5 in some sense when you go buy a pistol. Before it was just you went through the federal database. All they're doing is adding a layer of bureaucracy and expense to the lawful legalized, caring gun owners. And that is the sad part because they're there. And it was really funny, you know, when the governor of New Mexico claimed she could suspend the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. And during that that press conference, she was asked, what do you think the criminals will abide? She said, no, next question. So why are we not focusing on the criminal, but trying to get headlines, utilizing lawful individuals who've already been vetted. And the vetting to get a pistol permit, it's not easy. So once you get it, as long as you don't have violations, there should be no other impediments to your utilizing that constitutional right. The other uh, issue in the state of New York is the migrant crisis that continues to go on throughout the state. And Assemblyman, you know, I hear the change of tone by the governor and by the by the mayor of New York City. But my question is, and I really haven't heard, what happens to the migrants that are already in this state? Well, 
number one, do they even know where they are? Once they assimilate into the fabric of the community, I don't think that we have a, a, a good tracking. The issue really is, okay, and it's not a pro or con because they keep using the term migrant. Well, I think what we need to do is actually identify what we're talking about. We have those that have come through the front door, my ancestors, your ancestors, almost everyone's ancestors came through the front door. There were rules, there were regulations. And what is happening now is they're using the terminology for those that are not coming in through the front door. And they're just painting everyone with the same brush. They're political prisoners. They're escaping, okay? We cannot take every single person in the world into this country. That is not what the world is all about. We need people to come through the front door. And I find it really interesting that myself and some of my colleagues who believe like we do on law and order were being chastised and ridiculed because we were talking about some semblance of order and protection. But now, look what's happening. Well, we, didn't, we were a, a, a um, right, right to shelter. Now we don't think it should be extended to the, those coming in, whether it's legal or illegal. And you make your own decision on that, listeners, okay? But you got to be kidding me. They just keep changing the dialogue to fit their political needs. And it's going to get a little more vocal because we're heading into an election. All right. And this is all politics. And, you know, the other disturbing thing is that our children, citizens, lawful, legitimate citizens, children going to school need immunizations. They need vaccinations. And if not, they can't go. But apparently, if you're one of those that came over the southern border without uh, the proper credentials and they go to the schools, we don't know if they've been vaccinated. We don't know if they're protected. Okay, so now you're going to blend them with our children who have to follow these rules. So rules are important, but everyone has should be able to follow the same rules and that's not what happened what, what's happening it's whatever is expeditious to the uh the feeling or the position so uh, uh it's a bigger issue than that plus money wise the state is spending billions and billions of dollars that they don't have okay and they're taking away from lawful citizens they're cutting programs the state uh, bureaucracy is being, they're, they're told to tighten their belts, all departments. Well, because of the excessive spending. Well, who's it going to hurt? It's going to hurt the taxpayers who, who pay the taxes for these services that are being delayed. Okay, I mean, look at the Liquor Authority when the bills came last week. The governor had to step in to tell the Liquor Authority to get off their butt and start giving these uh, permission to sell product earlier in the morning, okay? It's just, it, it, it's just incredible, the delays and the difficulty that we have, and it's just going to get worse, and why? Because the money issues. So it, it affects everybody, and I think that we got to get off of trying to look at each issue and just certain parts of it and understand that, that it's not a silo, that it cuts across a lot of different areas and a lot of different viewpoints.
It is it is uh, amazing last week with the uh, the liquor authority and the confusion there was that you know does a bar need it you know it, it's it seems anytime there's any kind of legislative change here in the state of New York it always leads to confusion. Well, let me tell you. See, the problem is I've been practicing law almost fifty years. I did a lot of liquor licenses at, at one point. We used to have local liquor boards. Niagara County had a board. Erie County had a board. We had investigators within the county. You could get a liquor license within 30 days. Now it's six to eight months, but they cash your check. And you know what they do? You send in an application and your check. It goes to a bank in Pennsylvania. Then they wait to bundle them and then send them to New York City. If it's a a renewal, I believe it goes to Buffalo, and then it's sent to whomever the agents, whoever's got to review it. So there's delays built in. Um, they have the people. Why not go back to a system that had worked? Okay, let's have local boards. Let's be able to expedite. Because remember, a liquor license is not free. It's very expensive. And when you have some a startup that's trying to start a business that has to come up with three, four, five thousand dollars up front, and then sit have it cashed and have to wait six to seven months to start recouping any of that money. Number one. Number two. During that interim, we're not getting any any tax, any excise tax. We're not getting any sales tax. So again, it's just another bureaucratic nightmare. That there are simple solutions. But nobody will talk. Nobody wants to ask anyone with any experience okay, as to how did this function before? Where did, where did it break down? And I'll tell you where it broke down. When they tried to centralize it in New York City and move it away from the individual counties. Who, who is best to interview a prospective license holder than someone who lives in the community, an inspector living in a community, a board in the community who understands it. So there's so many efficiencies that can be attained if people would just stop going into silos and realize maybe, just maybe, not one side of the aisle has all the answers, that maybe there could be a listening of other sides of the aisles. Assemblyman Angelo Morinello, always good catching up with you. Thank you. I appreciate the call. And uh, go Bills tonight. Hey, go Bills. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
basketball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 